Welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Taylor Wilkie. I'll be your host for this episode. Today, my guest is the Reverend Josh Barrett. We will be speaking about the Archangel Gabriel. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me, Taylor. It's good to be on. Uh, first of all, I'm, I just want to say I'm super excited that you chose an Archangel out of the list of that I sent you. Um <laughs> Because I find I found that a lot of uh, clergy, at least in this area, were kind of like staring away from the archangels, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Um, but you know, you picked you picked Gabriel, and uh, that's really great. Uh, so thanks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I, I'm really excited uh, to talk about uh, Gabriel and talk about angels. This I love it. I, I was always I've always been interested in angels because I feel like they're like. They're the true mythological creatures of the Bible. Mm. Um, like most ancient religions have like a whole host of mythological characters that that are strewn throughout their stories. And mm. we pretty much just only have angels, I think. Mm, or maybe. Maybe we have more. Ooh. Well, <laughs> we'll have to run down that list later. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, let me ask you the obvious question. What are angels? Mm, That's such a good question. I think we have in our culture, like a really misconstrued idea of what angels are. You know, when you ask someone on the street what an angel is, uh, you often have someone describe like a really um, chubby baby, or you have someone describe like some very large humanoid type thing, but with bird wings. And that's what mo- that's what comes to mind for most people, right? When they think of angels, uh, or the most the times that you think about angels are when you have people very earnestly after someone dies say, "Heaven has gained another angel," um, which is peculiar because uh, in the Christian understanding we don't actually believe that, <laughs> which we can get to. Uh, we we uh, angels are categorically different creatures than humans um, and particularly in the bible angels are just weird like the the bible is a weird weird set of texts it comes from a beautifully and tantalizingly odd worldview and um, angels have definitely have their part so angels i would say are for the most part as a very blanketed statement they are god's messengers they are another category of creation in the spiritual realm that would be my answer i guess <laughs> what is an angel's role in scripture uh, right yeah absolutely and i mean there's so there's you know i think it's actually probably good to take a step back to be able to answer that question um in that you know there's more than one type of angel um and they all have different roles um because there's just different types of spiritual beings so uh particularly in scripture you know um, the scriptures have a two realm universe particularly in the old testament 
um, where they believe that there is uh, the earthly realm and the heavenly realm, you know, almost like it's like vertical in here, you know, and down below here on earth, the ground, the ground level. And then there's a three-tiered universe that there's the uh, there's the things under the earth. There's the big dome, right, in Genesis where, uh, you know, where the chaos of the waters is pushed up, as the Hebrew would say, and then the chaos is pushed down and we're this island of order within chaos. But within all that bubble, it's a busy spiritual universe. And so um, you've got the archangels or the angels that we might think of, but you also have uh, cherubim, right? That's a different type of angel. Um, so the cherubim um, have a, their own role. They stand at the threshold of God's throne room. So um, angel cherubim in the, in the scriptures represent the meeting place between heaven and earth and kind of protecting that. And cherubim are also either cherubim or seraphim, I'm drawing a blank here, were set at, as guards at the gate of Eden, you know? Uh, so there's that sense of they sit at the threshold between heaven and earth. Um, which is kind of this lovely image. So that's cherubim. And they, they're always kind of odd looking. They're the ones with different animal faces. Um, you know, sometimes it's a bull, sometimes it's an ox, sometimes it's, you know, so a couple different, different heads sticking out, you know. Uh, the reason why the angels say don't be afraid is because when they show up, you kind of freak out because <laughs> they're <laughs> odd looking, right? Uh, like, that's a very good thing. Hmm. Uh, them to warn you like hey don't freak out just sit down <laughs> um so that's cherubim seraphim the fiery ones um they're the ones that we you know every sunday in the episcopal church we say holy 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 um for the sanctus and that's where we get them get that from is from the seraphim so they're the ones that have that privilege of being able to be in the throne room of god and however you conceptualize that the privilege to voice creation's praises over and over and over again. So that's those are the cherubim and seraphim. And there's more, but really than just the rest of the angels um, all have their role. But what we know them, how we've interacted primarily is that they're messengers, is that they're ambassadors of heaven, that they come to us bearing uh, hopefully good news or at least news of um, God's action. Okay. Kind of yeah. in the way that, like, for example, Gabriel tells Zachariah about the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And same thing, Gabriel also tell is the angel that tells Mary about the Immaculate Conception. Correct? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So, it, well, it tells him about the birth, yeah, the, the, the virgin birth, or, you know, of Christ. Um, yeah, the angels are sent on God's behalf to... Um, represent God's kind of uh, direct communication. You know, God can do whatever God wants, right? God can appear to Moses in a bush and God can, you know, be in the stillness of the sheer stillness on the mountainside. But um, God also chooses to delegate action and authority in the world through his creatures. And that's what angels kind of are, uh, are kind of, they crystallize around, you know, they, they're kind of ways that God delegates movement and doing things. Um, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, now what is specifically, I mean, we were just ran through like, I think three different types of angels, um, <laughs> but now, but we're here specifically to talk about archangels and, and specifically Gabriel. So what is the role of the archangels? As, and I'm thinking like, who, who are they? Their archangels are 
Gabriel Michael, and I think there's two others. Yeah, there's two more. And really don't really hear too much about them. Uh, Raphael and Uriel. Um, and, the, you know, uh, Archangels, you know, uh, you know, did they graduate the top of their angel class, right? Like, <laughs> like where did they come from? You know, why are they so prominent? And um, I, I think Archangels, you know, uh, I would say probably have, they, they've for some reason or another only known unto God's mystery and God's mind, but are just primary workers in God's universe, doing something, announcing things. You know, Archangel Michael, we think, is one who battles a lot, right? The one who goes to fight the, the demons and, you know, goes on our behalf, and um, which I kind of like. like I, I kind of like a nice little warrior angel for us, right? Mm. Um, Gabriel also, too, sometimes in scripture is depicted as such. But um, even in the brief moments, particularly with Daniel, uh, where he shows up, he helps interpret apocalyptic uh, visions and dreams. I don't know exactly what the reason why they're just considered archangels. Maybe that's our, you know, labeling upon a mystery, a fence around a mystery, as they would say. But um, those are the ones I think we primarily would interact with throughout mm. scripture. So they're arc or arch, you know, highest of angels in that way, because we primarily interact with them and our salvation has intersected with their announcing throughout um, scripture. Okay. And uh, a little bit earlier when I asked you what an angel was, you mentioned that people like to say that we like when we die, we become angels. And you said, well, we don't. Um, why, first of all, why do people believe that? And why don't we become angels? Right. So, oh gosh. So yeah, this is my one space I will ever have to be able to <laughs> say this, right? Because I'm not going to be that guy that comments on someone's, you know, Facebook post. Like, actually, we don't. Um because we don't become angels when we die, uh, because we're just categorically categorically different creatures, um, and God loves us that much that God made us human beings. Angels don't bear the image of God as the privileged way humanity does. You know that's the gift that humanity's given, and we can go into that. At, you know, maybe another podcast or whatever. But there's and I don't know where the saying comes from, but angels get jealous of humans because. Uh, because of that, because of our role, we get to play in God's love and God's care. Um, so I think the idea comes from actually that that's actually a very Mormon idea. Um, that's, that's a very Mormon idea of um, that's somehow baked into the water in America that you become an angel when you die. Um, theologically, Mormons or the Latter-day Saints, as they would prefer to be uh, referred to now, have believed that um, there's this thing that they believe that Noah was Gabriel uh, or that the same person, which is different names. Um, I don't know where they get scriptural warrant for that or where those connections would be. Um, but in their theology, they believe that um, someone who lived a particularly righteous life could become an angel in the afterlife. Um, so that I don't know where else that idea can come from. I don't, mm -hmm. I, you know, study that too much. But I do know um, that that's a particularly Mormon idea that has found kind of in the, into the water, if you will. Well, thanks for that rundown of angels. <laughs> I know. Um, I've, I've just learned. I, my knowledge of angels has increased 200% since we started this conversation. Yay! <laughs> um, uh, so now let's, let's, start, let's drill down into, into the reason why we're here. We're going to drill down into Gabriel himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
what is Gabriel's role initially in the Old Testament? Mm, yeah. You know, we, we only get to see him in little glimpses. You know, he's it's kind of brief when mm-hmm. we see Gabriel. And some places we attribute Gabriel to certain heavenly visitors that really don't name him. And usually, you know, it might be Talmudic or other sources kind of attribute it to him. But um, we see Gabriel in the Old Testament. You know, his name is the power of God. So his name kind of always points beyond himself. And so you, sh- you see him showing up as the power of God. Hmm. Um, so um, when he shows up particularly for Daniel, he's helping with a prophetic task. And what that prophetic task is, I'm trying to interpret these apocalyptic uh, visions or images. And um, I could imagine that it was probably jarring and confusing. And, you know, like any of, you know, the prophets were kind of, it's like they were tripping half the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of their visions were wild. Um so what we see in that is the power of God coming alongside a prophet, you know, Gabriel, an angel, to help with the burden of the calling. So we see angels, um, you know, angels, you know, we sometimes like to believe they help out human beings. I think this is a good image of that, that um, the angel, Gabriel, who announces, it is in the Christian tr- tradition, we say announces good things, right? He enters our story, our Christian story, at beautifully important good points. And so if we take that and we look at the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, through that lens, he shows up for good things, for things that are helpful. So I think that's his role in the Old Testament. Um, And, you know, if sometimes he's called a revealer. um, Oh, that was my next question. (laughs) ah, Sometimes he's called a revealer. It's not because he particularly bears revelation, right? Um, But what he does is help like like I said, he kind of helps um, bring helps interpret that revelation that's already given. So, okay. And, you know, oh, sorry. And the one more point, the like, uh, so the sense of apocalyptic—that's really just that term is an unveiling, like uh, like it's an uncovering. It's not necessarily doomsday, right? Um, prophets, when they point to apocalyptic literature, or they 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 have a lot of apocalyptic literature. It's mostly unveiling the truth. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's bringing to light what was dark or um, making what is unclear clear. Or um, when my cat is hungry, I peel back the top of her cat food <laughs> and she appears out of nowhere. Right? <laughs> I have two cats. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> So I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so, um, so, so that's kind of like the Old Testament Gabriel. What mm-hmm. is New Testament Gabriel like? Like, obviously, he's New Testament. He's the one who mm-hmm. uh, meets with Mary and gives her the news. Is that true? Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, Gabriel would be the one who first visits um, Zechariah um, when he's doing his service in the temple, you know, um, Meets him in the Holy of Holies, um, which is a beautiful thing for an angel to meet a human being in that presence of God, that nearer presence um, in in the temple. Because uh, in that temple where he would have been serving, there would have been angels like Gabriel <laughs> painted on the walls, um, give you know being a sign of the reality that they you know that we believe they enter into 
of this little place where heaven and earth overlap. And so we're to have a spiritual being like Gabriel <laughs> really show up in that space um, first is, is kind of a neat thing to think about. Um, and he was literally dumbstruck. <laughs> He's like, absolutely not. I can't believe this is happening. Um, had a very understandable doubt. Um, I am continue to wonder and be curious if Gabriel, you know, being a creature, um, kind of uh, messed with Zachariah when he made him mute, you know, mm. <laughs> whether God made him mute or angels have that ability, uh, who knows, you know, scripture is unclear, uh, mm. you know, doesn't really entertain that question, but Gabriel shows up and kind of, um, I like to think Gabriel's the one that, uh, by God's initiative, obviously literally gets the ball rolling <laughs> for this, for this, um, you know, what we say, the greatest story ever told to mm. kind of get that moving. He signals the beginning of hope. And that's, I think so that, and I think when Christians think of Gabriel, he is one of the first heavenly actors, obviously other than God, right? But mm. as a character that really starts that ball moving, that's a beautiful thing as a Christian mm. to think about. Yeah. From my limited research on Gabriel, I mean, and when I say limited, I mean, I skimmed the Wikipedia. <laughs> um, um, it is said that uh, in the Old Testament, God sends gabriel to destroy jerusalem mm. um why did god want to destroy jerusalem in the old testament and why did he choose gabriel to do it or is it like when he said when you say destroy do we mean like actually destroy or is there a uh, a, a, di a different meaning to the word destroy in that part of the bible yeah you know god i i tried looking into that and i just couldn't find anything about that um but <sighs> Jerusalem gets destroyed <laughs> a lot anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> just, you know, or it gets attacked or, you know, it gets taken over by who, whatever. And, you know, angels as community. So if we think again of, of angels as ambassadors of God's will or uh, communicators of God's will, then um, whatever that story is talking about, then it's Gabriel who brings the news of God, brings the power of God in his name, to Jerusalem, then uh, I can imagine that if it's attributed to Gabriel, then it's it's the symbol of God's power. What sounds like judging Israel in that way. And then, of course, there's also, I mean, Revelations and Gabriel's role in the, I guess, the apocalypse. What what yeah. what, what is his is uh, what is his role at that point in the story? Well, yeah, I mean, so in Revelation, there is, you know, again, it's apocalyptic literature again. Mm. So um, it's it's it, it looks beyond itself. It's also a commentary on when it was written, and I think both can be true. And um, it, it, Gabriel, I think, would stand among the angels that are mentioned. You know, it talks about seven angels standing in the courtroom, blasting their trumpets. And in popular kind of folk music, particularly in African-American spirituals by those who were enslaved in this country. Um, Gabriel was a sign of the trumpet blowing, was a sign of freedom, was a sign of uh, a future freedom being enacted in the now. Mm. So I think there's that, that beautiful sense of um, that image of going home, an image of uh, new life, of a new world being called into being. Mm. Um, that I guess the symbol of Gabriel's trumpet or Gabriel in that, but it doesn't explicitly name Gabriel. Okay. 
um, in, in Revelation. But I can imagine the one who ushered in and announced the coming of the Messiah in Mary. He mm. says, behold, you know, today is granted you a son. I can imagine that he will have some part at the last day ushering us all into the new, new Jerusalem, the new heaven and earth. Hmm. Now, do I have proof for that? No. But as I was, you know, as, as I've heard once someone say in my sanctified imagination, <laughs> I would like to believe that that might have some part. Yeah. I call that headcanon. Ooh, I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not true, but in my head it is. Yeah. In my head, it makes sense. I yeah, see the yeah, dots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, since you brought it up, um, Gabriel's horn, um, it seems to Ooh. come up a lot. Um, well, I guess the first question is, like, where does the idea of Gabriel's horn come from originally? Um, artists and poets. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it really, uh, if anything, and I'll touch back kind of on what I said like about a minute ago on that. Um, it, you know, there's some, there's some, uh, I think it's Milton's Paradise. No. I'm forgetting. There, there's some, like, pretty significant works of literature that will artistically use Gabriel's horn as a um, symbol of the, you know, uh, calling of Jesus coming back. Right. Mm. So um, kind of this announcement, this pronouncement of, uh, you know, Jesus come back, look busy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, or it's the symbol of hope. That's why trumpets sometimes are a thing of Easter. Right. Um, mm. This, the sense of triumphal re-entry back to the world to to usher in this this new age. Mm. So I think that's where that comes from. He, you know, because I think if we continue that thread, right, that Gabriel is a symbol of hope for Christians, and maybe Gabriel's trumpet, this beautifully artistic representation of trumpet of ushering in the hope that like the waits before us. Mm. I think that's where that comes from, and. Um, that's why we get good songs and good poems about it. Gabriel has been described as the guardian angel of Israel mm. um, who defends its people against angels of other nations. Ha, yeah. Um, when I was skimming the Wikipedia, that like stood out to me. I'm like, angels of other nations? Mm. Isn't, aren't all angels working for the same guy? And then that, that begs the question, who are these other angels? Such a good question. So good. Yeah. Uh, the I think my the way I would enter into that question, right, is angels exist in a spiritual cosmology of the Bible that is much bigger than we think. We often think it's just God, humans, and that's it. Or we think that it's God and some angels floating around, and then us, and then if you know, and then some demons. But really, there's there's a whole there's a there's a lot going on in the spiritual realm of a lot of different other spiritual beings. And so um, the people, particularly ancient Israelites, existed in a world, in a worldview where they, yes, believe that God, Yahweh, is the one true God. And, um, you know, and there was a sense of competitiveness in that very pluralistic world that they lived in, in that ancient world. And other nations had their own gods, right, in that sense of, you know, the, the Babylonians and the Canaanites and all that. They could entertain, and it's a different word that the Hebrew used, they would use lesser gods um, for that or other angels, right? That They're kind of almost using the same words there. So if they're defending from other 
angels, that can mean two things. It can means it can mean that um, those angels were fighting demonic other forces on behalf of Israel, right? They were protecting from the forces that would seek to destroy the people of God, or that they could concede that yes, Yahweh is the one true God of gods that Scripture says, but it's lowercase G for those gods. That's also something they could be talking about. So, like these lesser spiritual beings um, that they would see that other nations would claim to be gods, um, that they would say, mm, yeah, but that's not th- those gods are not worthy of worship, mm. right? Yahweh is only the God of worthy of worship those other lesser angels or those other angels, if you will, or God's lowercase G, um, you know, the archangels would be fighting against him, you know? Uh, so if that's, so it's, it kind of neat because it points into that kind of spaciousness and oddity that is uh, the spiritual beings. Um, okay. I'm picturing like Michael and Gabriel going up against like Aries and, Mm. and like Poseidon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or it's kind of like they're like the Avengers of the heavenly realm. Yeah. You know, like, and you know, and all of Thanos' cronies are these lesser gods. Yeah. And um, the Avengers fight on our behalf. Okay. And hopefully they do a lot less um, infrastructure damage when they do that. Oh, being so. a contractor in the Marvel Universe is so <laughs> lucrative. Uh oh lucrative yeah um but if you think about it they're trying to protect or or like you know dr strange there's that Mm. concept that the sanctums protected the earth yeah right um from forces that would seek to assimilate it into its um and into their destructive realm and that's one of the reasons why i love dr strange we might go on a marvel tangent and that's very common for me so i am here for this (laughs) yes okay i love using marvel for this type of stuff so Doctor Strange, um, which I think is one of the best spiritual allegories we have in culture today uh, to, to be able to talk about these things. Karmataj and all the, the sanctums are, you know, to protect Earth from being swallowed into Dormammu's reign, where he's looped all these worlds into this darkened place where there is hunger and um, darkness and no light, and, um, and which, is, which is evil. That is pure evil because that's mm. what evil is. It's a lack of goodness. It's not something. It's not a. Um, it's not something. It's a lack of something. That's what yeah. evil is, and it's an unraveling of God's good creation back into chaos. And so, when you know Doctor Strange, you know, try, keeps Earth protected. That's kind of the idea here: is to keep it from what these other nations, for example, would be an image of, which is. Um, Dorma- other other worlds, other spheres um, swallowed into Dormammu, a.k.a. evil, or at mm-hmm. least not God's not idealized or um, preferred way of living, um, swallowed into that reign. And uh, so they're protecting mm-hmm. that sphere. That in Jesus, we believe that sphere um, now is, doesn't belong to one people. It's now called to expand to the whole creation. Mm-hmm. Um, to be liberating all those worlds, um, if you will. Uh, it's just maybe not stuck in a time loop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really like using pop culture in a way to explain to explain scripture in a more modern language, um, mm-hmm. especially 
the idea of superheroes and um in that way because these i mean these guys are the modern day titans i mean they're the like they're the modern day hercules 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 eyes i don't know um plural of hercules whatever that is um and um in fact last season was all about that where we took things from pop culture and we sat down and talked to them with clergy and all that you know we did like futurama quantum leap star trek uh west wing they just have a way of breaking things down to a simple message that can be easily expounded upon by clergy and it makes Mm -hmm. it immediately relatable yeah because you know the bible is big and it's weird and it's complicated and we don't in our culture have a literacy about it and so like we can't assume anymore as the church and this is one of our great failings of today is Mm -hmm. we assume that people have the basic knowledge of what the bible is or if they do it's incredibly anemic and that's our fault (laughs) um right that's 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 the fault of those that we've inherited in a way um but the best way to go about that is taking the myth the images the stories of our cult in our culture that are good and are rich and using that to help illustrate those same points um which yeah so i I absolutely love i love marvel for that yeah um Absolutely. Mm. Now, um, I mean, now that we've tangented it off into a movie universe, um, I guess my next question is, um, I mean, angels show up a lot in film and TV. What mm-hmm. would you say would be your favorite angelic representation in popular culture, um, either that you've seen recently or ever? I'm thinking of a great movie. It was called Legion with mm. um, Dennis Quaid. Uh, and it's about how, like, this girl in the middle, like, like God decides it's time for the Messiah to return, pulls an immaculate conception on a girl, and uh, Michael and, like, other angels are very upset about this. And they, um, and they decide, like, hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let this stand. And there's, like, a revolt, and God says, okay, fine, go and kill this new savior that I have. This was, you're right, this was a mistake. Let's take care of it. But then Michael says, no, you can't just undo this. And Michael decides to fall from heaven, cut off his wings to become mortal and stand with the people and defend this new Mary. Uh, it's a very good movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe I haven't heard of this. Yeah. It's like angels and demons fighting each other. Oh, it's like, it's so great. And it's like this like little thing. It's like this little like diner in like the middle of nowhere, Nevada, it's fantastic. That's adding that to my list. Uh, <laughs> gosh, that's such a good question because I don't watch a ton of movies. And if I do, they're very specific, like the ones I can reference. Okay. Um, but, um, oh, God, I, I can't pin one from a movie, okay. honestly, at this point. But I will say that the one that most um, arrested my attention mm. was a TikTok. And um, which really puts my age on the map. Uh, and uh, it was this TikTok of, um, I was just scrolling. It was like one of the early days of the pandemic, you know, when everyone was kind of on the on TikTok to keep ourselves sane. Mm. Uh, it was by a, um, and I don't follow these types of accounts, but it was from like a horror, like anime, animation kind mm. of surrealist 
TikTok animator. Like it was this very odd, like I was like, I don't know what my algorithm is doing, but it was a almost biblically accurate angel encounter. And um, somehow that, and it was, it was like what Ezekiel saw, like a wheel within a wheel within a wheel with eyes yeah. all around, like odd as heck. Yeah. Um, and just weird and creepy. And that for the first time, I think I felt the same fear that anyone in an angelic encounter would have experienced because it was shrouded in this kind of odd, hor almost horror, creepy kind mm. of tone, right? But there was a weight to it. And I, I like really understood, oh, that's why they say don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> because I am terrified. And this is just a TikTok on my phone, mm. you know, um, because because I, I think this that gets to the heart of that to encounter heaven is to always be odd yeah it's, it's always yeah it's always strange yeah categorically. It's, yeah it's something we're not our our minds were not built to um to comprehend what 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 that is no um, and yeah. you know that's why they say like you know i mean to reference a movie that I don't know, maybe I shouldn't reference on a Diocese podcast, but Dogma, um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, a seraphim comes down and he is like, you know, he's like bathed in fire in like this apartment and she's like, oh my God, what's going on? And then, you know, she ends up putting him out with a fire extinguisher and she's going to hit him with a bat and he says, what do you mean you're going to hit me with that fish? And she tur he turns the bat into a fish and it's Alan Rickman, so... He's uh, yeah. um, it, it, it's a good, it's a good scene. Um, and and yeah. overall, overall a good movie, I have to say. But anyway, okay, yeah. Josh, that's about our time, uh, together. If someone wants to see you preaching on a Sunday, where should they come? Well, currently you can find me in the southern tier of New York State. I currently serve as the priest in charge at Church of the Redeemer. It's this cute little parish in the Appalachian Hills of New York State, um, and. Uh, Church of Redeemer there, and then I also serve in Corning, New York, as an associate there. Um, I have a um, my sermons though are um, recorded on SoundCloud, which I'm sure we could put in the show notes or whatever. Absolutely, check the notes for that. And, and uh, I have an Instagram, and it's just my name. <laughs> so, nice, uh, really uncreative. But. That's really good. That's surprisingly that you got your own name. Um, I was early. <laughs> yeah, I like to say that I got Taylor. Will I got taylorwilkie at gmail.com because i was in the beta for gmail um, oh so you you dated yourself by saying you were on the tiktoks and i've dated myself to say i was in the gmail beta yeah. um, that's fantastic um okay as always josh it was a pleasure having you here um i hope we'll hope to have you on again eventually and we'll uh see you next time yeah thanks so much taylor okay no thank you bye
Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Mo Akande, Ivy Swinsky, and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Mo Akande and David Hines for the Season 3 music, and our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.